Forty chess. Yeah. Forty chess. Huh. Forty chess. Let's get it. Forty chess. This a trade show, Patreon where the trades go Tapping and watch, that's what you came for Ain't gotta say my name, they know my name, bro What's good, man? We got McNutted in H.E.M. Always start off the show with a trade from them You should always make sure that your trade is in Patreon, why not be a Patreon? Know you wish you could spend every day with them Tap in and say what you gonna say with them Stop home and can fill up a stadium Next time you log in, make sure that you bring a friend We about to kick off, let the day begin Go follow the socials, 40 chess FF is posted If your trade is an F, you get roasted Go like and subscribe for the crew Apple, Spotify, and the YouTube You know Cooper got the wall too Let us give you a walkthrough 40 chess This is 40 chess back in everybody to another edition of the south harman spotlight this is going to be episode nine i'm joined by one of the best in the entire space not only for dynasty but just best fantasy football minds and one of my best friends in the space and it feels like seven months ago i was just with this guy but that's how the uh, fantasy football season goes because in reality it was less than two months ago but time has been flying i'm joined by scott connor what's going on scott yeah, man, it's been, uh, gosh, not even two months since the expo, but it feels like it was years in, ago. In a way, it feels like it was forever ago, but then in a way, it also feels like it was just recently. Like, I remember driving up there, so excited to just dive in, whatever the hell was going to happen, right? And then I realized two hours away from my house, oh shit, where is my laptop bag? Where is it at? <laughs> So I'm searching, calling my wife. Hey, do you see it? Of course, she doesn't answer. I'm like, okay, now I'm panicking. Did I get out and get gas and someone swiped it from my back seat or some shit like that? But no. Then I get on our uh, security camera at home and I realize, yep, it's just sitting right there on the chair. And I'm just like, man, is it? Did I just ruin the weekend of potentially making some content and all that kind of stuff. Cause I don't have my laptop like that. That's all I remember from the weekend, which is sad given all the shit that went on that weekend. <laughs> that is, that is considered like that was a kind of a blur, but it also felt like it took forever. Mm-hmm. It was, by the time I got home, it felt like I'd done like a month of just partying and meeting mm-hmm. people and going to functions. In reality, it was only a handful of days, but it was a it was a strange experience from that, and it's also strange that here we are sitting. Uh, you know, fantasy football season's well underway. Injuries have taken their toll, and it it does feel like it was months, if not a year ago, <laughs> that we were all together just having drinks and relaxing. And that's the way fantasy football has gone. I guess it's kind of stressful when the season actually gets here, trying to track everything, but. Scott, we got you on the South Harmon Spotlight. So here, I'm going to start off with a, with a softball. How did you get into fantasy sports, fantasy football, fantasy baseball? You know, some of the people we've had on here, they started with fantasy baseball and transitioned over football. But how did you get back? How did you get into it back in the day? Yeah, very similar story for me. Um, I definitely started with fantasy baseball first uh, before I played fantasy football. I remember playing fantasy baseball, gosh, back in late elementary school. Uh, early middle school, junior high. So we're talking, I'm aging myself, but that's probably 1993, 94, 95. Like 
out of magazines. Yeah. And this was just with my friends. Like we were playing old school, like Roto fantasy baseball, where you're really just scoring like the categories, you know, it's super basic and it grew from there. And I'll say that I really, really took off uh, in terms of playing fantasy sports was probably around 1998, 1999. Uh, I started playing uh, simulation games. So if you remember like the old baseball mogul or out of the park baseball, like I was super huge into sim games, not as much fantasy, but sim games. And then of course that goes along with you're playing PlayStation and Xbox and, you know, you're playing seasons with your franchises and stuff, but it was always baseball for me. There was always something about starting the franchise with a baseball team and managing the day to day. Cause it's 162 games and you know, there's it's limited compared to what it is now in terms of some of those games, but like still just managing a baseball franchise was where I started. Then it just morphed into, Hey, you want to try fantasy football? I mean, I was never a, a hardcore football fan growing up either. I watched it cause I liked all sports, but it wasn't like, man, I grew up on football. That's all I knew. It was just part of my sports life versus being the everything. I, and then football mogul came out, which was a spinoff of baseball mogul. And it was a really shitty basic version that really wasn't fun, but you started getting into, wow, managing a football team is it's way different than a baseball team. Cause in the baseball Sims, man, you had minor leagues and you were developing players. And it was, it was, the, it was truly the long game. And then when it came to football, it was just a totally different game. So that morphed into just trying other stuff, trying fantasy football leagues. Uh, and then it just started to take off from there where I'd just play redraft leagues. And if you remember the old uh, sporting news website yep. where you did the salary caps on sporting news, we did those for, I played in two or three of those every year for at least a decade before I started doing real like actual keeper leagues or got into dynasty. I didn't even get into dynasty till 2013. And even the first four or five years of dynasty were just egregiously bad management, but it was still just, Hey, it's dynasty. You actually, it's the next iteration of, you know, salary cap and keeper and redraft. So that's kind of how I got there, but it did not start in football. It definitely started in, I mean, I was a baseball nerd growing up. That's what my dad played. That's what I was into. Uh, and then football's just, you know, taken over at this point. It's always so fascinating hearing all these people talk about baseball too, because it was never, at least for me, it was never a huge passion. Like you, you played little league baseball, and I played all through school and high school, uh, but I never. It wasn't like my main thing. Like it was just something that you did in the summer. Because here we go. But most of the time, if we had our choice, it was. You know, the kids in the backyard were playing football. Right? It was always football. Uh, you know, I grew up in the the Midwest in Iowa, so the other one for winter was was wrestling. Like basketball was probably my favorite, but wrestling's giant around here, so everybody's a passionate wrestling fan. So it always just felt like baseball was kind of the backseat for us, but it was a pretty big pastime for a lot of people, and that's how a lot of people got into fantasy sports. The other thing, Scott, like I, I get so much correlation here too between video gaming like it almost seems like that was the niche like even doing simulations i mean i i've talked about with a few people on here about playing madden and we always play franchise mode and it wasn't really just to actually play the damn games it was because we got to cut draft players it was never the games that i (laughs) I you skip or sim the games and just go hey did i win or lose the fun part was the combine and the scouting and the recruiting and ncaa football and all of that, the games were just like, well, hopefully I win, you know, like I, 
I never did that. Even in baseball, I would sim lots of the season parts just because it was like it, there's too much time that it takes to play the games. Let me just run the team. Right. Uh, it was the same thing for like playing NCAA football. It was all about the recruiting and actually just making these monster teams, especially when you start at you know, Texas San Antonio or some shit like that, <laughs> try to turn them into a powerhouse. That was the fun part, but the, the actual gameplay was never a big thing for me, even when I was a, a young kid. I got to ask you, speaking about video games, and you talked about some of these simulation ones that you like to play, did you ever dabble in the uh, the NFL head coach? I think they had like a two-year run or a three-year run, that, that series. <laughs> Where... I, I didn't. I remember it, but I never got into it. And it... It was funny because I can't even remember what year it was, but Madden kind of started to go away from the franchise mode, at least yep. in the way that I remembered it. And that's when I kind of stopped playing. It got to a point where the game was only so fun, and if you didn't play online, then they took away some of the franchise mode stuff that I enjoyed. So I just kind of fizzled out of playing Madden. And I think that's partly when I got more into fantasy football okay. in that yep. because, you know, growing up as a college kid and high school kid, it was like, dude, I would spend, and you may have been the same way. I'd spend eight hours a day after school and I'm just running my Madden franchise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my mom's like, Hey, you want dinner? Nah, I'm good. You know, like I'll come down later, but like that it's almost like I am with dynasty now, but it was like, that's, that's what I cared most about. You know, it is just your own team online or your own team that you save on your memory pack or whatever. But like that when they and that went away, I got more into fantasy. I think just remembering the timelines. I did have about a three year stretch there in college, especially freshman year going on where, where actual gameplay was important because you, you'd go down to the, the common area or whatever of your dorm and, you know, just see who's, who's got the bigger penis. Right? <laughs> like we gotta, we gotta throw it out there. Like whether it was NCAA or Madden, and then, you know, you're gambling on the side or you're trying to play competitively because, you know, who's buying the booze tonight when you guys go out to the bar. But other than that, like the rest of the time playing those kind of games, it's always just been about the dynasty, the franchise mode, uh, the simulation, just building a team. And, and I think you're right, too, at least for me, like I really kind of got away from those kind of game modes and stuff or just being a gamer instead when when they stopped caring about it. And uh, the the focus on dynasty football really started to take over the focus on fantasy football, like because that's where my passion had lied was team building and got to find another outlet since EA Sports decided to to fuck us all. <laughs> to go, we don't care about you guys. We're just gonna do ultimate team and make people pay shit tons of money for this kind of online play. So, kind of interesting. So, how did you how did you end up going into content then? So you you're on this fantasy football journey. You start to get into it. How do you decide that you actually want to start doing content, whether that's written that you got into first? I know a lot of people started writing articles or, you know, doing podcasts or YouTube. Yeah, so it kind of goes back to I'll start here because I think it's important as to why I ever pursued content in the first place was back in 2015. I transitioned into a job that I probably wasn't ready for. Um, it took me seven tries to get the job. So you kind of wonder if I wasn't ready for it, you know. Why did I keep pursuing it? But right. I thought I was ready for it, right? So, of course, I was pursuing it. Seventh try, I finally got a call. I applied for it the seventh time. Got a call from the hiring manager, and they were like, yeah, basically, you know, I work for a big company, and a lot of times the jobs are already pre-approved on who's going to get it. You know, they post it, but then they'll call you and say, you know, hey, the job's yours as long as you apply, which is probably not how it should always go, but it right. does. And so finally, the seventh time I got the job and I quickly realized when I got into the job, 
that it's going to require me to be a lot better communicator and public speaker and presenter than I was. And so at that point, I'm like, all right, this is my livelihood that you're messing with. And I'm in a job where it was a good job. You know, it was a big promotion. It was a big opportunity, but it was also one where I realized pretty quickly. And I had a pretty good mentor that basically said, you know, getting past this job to the next opportunity is going to require you to present yourself in a way that's probably better than what most people jump into this and they're ready to do. So I actually signed up for Toastmasters and got into that. And it took me about three years in Toastmasters doing public speaking. I actually became the president of our local club, still am today. And that's something that's continued to be an ongoing thing that really helps with content is being comfortable in front of a mic and talking to people that you've never met, you know, on the fly, impromptu questions. Uh, so the point of that story was that actually felt like it gave me the confidence because at the same time, I'm joining more dynasty leagues. I'm joining different Slack groups, starting to interact on Twitter. I think I joined Twitter like 2015. So even then you start getting into, you know, conversations on there. But then when you get to the point where I joined Dynasty Command Center in 2017, which was a Slack group, Ryan McDowell and Curtis Patrick started it. And I was just in the Slack group for a year, always interacting, always answering people's questions, always giving my opinion. I wasn't an analyst. I was a nobody. There's somebody that joined 10 bucks a month and I'm just in there participating. After about a year, they're like, hey, you know, you want to be a moderator? You know, you're really helping other people out. People listen to you. You know, I had been in there since the beginning. So like, you want to be a moderator? Sure. And then that led to, hey, do you want to come on our podcast? Do you want to help with our rookie draft guide? Do you want to help with doing this or doing that? Once I got those opportunities and I'm like, yeah, these guys are pretty big in the space and they're giving me a voice. And this is like end of 2017, early 2018. I'm like, I might as well just start my own podcast because I like public speaking. I like presenting. And I think I have something to say that might be outside of the other platforms that people were giving me an opportunity on. So I started my own show and that's literally how it started because at that point, podcasts were everything. Everyone was, not everybody had a podcast, not every site had a podcast. So it was a somewhat novel idea and I just launched it. And ever since then, it has always been a opportunity to hone those skills that I'm still working on today. But anytime you get on a mic, just doing a show like this or doing a guest spot, I don't care if it's five people listening or 5,000 people listening. It's always an opportunity to interact with new people and be able to present yourself in a professional way. So that's how it started. It really was just, I have a passion for Dynasty and I want to develop my public speaking skills and presentation skills. So let's put those two together. And what, five and a half years later, it's where we are today. So that's the backstory. It was kind of a fluke that it came together. It was never like I got into this because I want to be an expert or I want to be an analyst or any of that. It's so interesting that you talk about, uh, you know, doing Toastmasters and doing it for your job. I've always wondered why you were so good at, at presentation, right? When, when I listen to your podcast, you do a solo podcast and it's almost like you're telling a story and it's paced correctly. You have voice inflection. It's one of the hardest things I hate. I hate doing solo podcasts with a passion, like a burning passion. I would almost rather write an article and I, you know, you know how much I hate writing. Right? I, hate, I despise it. I'd rather just hit record and then just get my thoughts out there. But doing a solo podcast is is almost depressing because you're talking to nobody. I like to have conversations with other people and see their reaction, hear their voice, and you get a good meaning, a uh, good feel of what they're actually meaning. 
So I've always wondered why Scott is so damn good when he gets on there at telling a story solo. And now it makes so much sense, right? When you when you have to do it or you feel underprepared for a job, you go and you try to find any tools at your disposal to make yourself better at it. So that's incredible. It, it's funny you say that because that's one of the things I'll tell a lot of the new people that join Toastmasters. And there's a lot of people, especially now that things have morphed into the virtual world where... Sure, you want to still have public speaking skills because a lot of what people get into that is to kind of get away from some of the nervousness that they have when they're in public or they're giving a speech in front of people that they don't know. But now it's even more difficult because a lot of those are, hey, you may be in person for one thing, but you're also presenting to a virtual audience. And so there's multiple components of it. And I think the biggest thing that I tell people is even if you're nervous. If you can just get as many reps as possible, and this is the key thing. If I say, Mike, you can go talk about the subject that is just occupying your brain 24-7 because you are that passionate about it. And I know you're just like me because we've had many conversations. You're sitting there laying in bed trying to go to sleep going, man, what kind of trade can I make? <laughs> right? Like the, the point is when you are in this space and this is where you can sniff out the people that are not the real ones or people that really don't have that passion and they're just showing up an hour a day to do a podcast versus the people where it's like, dude, I might do a couple hours of content a week, three, four, five hours, whatever I'm at now with the shows that I do. But that is pales in comparison to the number of hours that it is going through my brain. That if I just sat there, you know, doing yard work or taking a shower, I could literally recite entire segments that I would put on a podcast, you know, and that is where you can get a lot of those reps in public speaking is it's not about being able to get up in front of a huge crowd and give a presentation on something that you have no clue about. Even the best speakers in the world are going to struggle with that. And how you mitigate that is you still get in front of people that you don't know. You still interact with people that you don't know. You'll jump on people's shows where you don't know what they're going to ask you, but you know it's a topic that you're passionate about. And even if it's a surprise question, being able to just have that skill of, hey, you ask me right now a random dynasty question that I'm not prepared for. And if it's a topic that I have no clue of and I'm having to sit there and completely make up the answer, that's where I'm much more likely to fumble my words or go um and ah and so and not know what I'm saying. If it's dynasty, if it's always on my brain, if I'm talking about something that I am super passionate about, the answer just flows, bro. You know, it just it just flows. So if you can get up there and even mitigate a lot of the nervousness and stuff of talking in front of people, but all you're doing is talking about yourself, like in, in Toastmasters, the first couple speeches you do, it's called an icebreaker. You talk about yourself. Where did you come from? Why are you here? Tell me about yourself. And if there's one thing anybody is an expert about in their own life, it's themselves. And right there, it's like, man, that's not that hard to come up there and talk about myself or my family or my kids. Like, th those are part of your heart. You know, they're in your brain constantly. So it shouldn't be that hard to talk about it. So it just comes full circle. Like, if you can talk about things that you like. I mean, I look at every time I do a podcast, every time I do a live stream, every time I record a show, it is on the job training. For that time where maybe I have to talk about something that I'm a little less comfortable about and a lot of those negative and possibly nervousness feelings are, they're gone. 
because I've had so many reps just talking about stuff that I'm already very comfortable with. So it comes full circle. You're a thousand percent right too. And I think you can hear it throughout not only just the fantasy football space, but just anything in general. Like I, I like to listen to a lot of different podcasts and I think one of the things that I always love about, you know, like Joe Rogan, whatever your thoughts on are on him, but the thing I love about it is they're having a conversation and it's usually with an expert in a field. And you can tell those experts who are really passionate about their field that they're doing because that show is completely unscripted. They're, you're not prepared for it. They might have a couple things that they brought ahead of time or they thought about it, but Joe just goes out there and asks them questions about certain things and the way his inquisitive mind works the people who are really prepared and passionate about their field, their answers come like this, right? They're natural. They're not having to think about what they wanted to say. In the fantasy space, it's the same way with Adam and I, you know, I go on other shows and I'm sure you've been on them too and you'll get a big long show sheet, right? These are the topics that we're going to discuss and this is the order. You know, I appreciate that people are organized and they want to keep things a certain way and I understand that, but Adam and I have never had a show sheet. We did one time and then we said, this is garbage. <laughs> like, let's get rid of it. Let's just be ourselves and get on and talk. We may have a base premise of what we're going to talk about on the show or the podcast, but everything just comes off the cuff. And it comes off the cuff because you're right. This is this is all you think about, period. Like, I know you. You're just sitting there, Scott. And you're thinking about dynasty. <laughs> you're thinking about players. You're thinking about, e even if it's like a, a Debbie question, you're thinking about guys in college already. Like, if you watch them on Saturday, you're going like, hmm, I wonder, like, what next year? Like, what's his outlook? <laughs> like, what is his value going to look like next year? You're always trying to project and think into the future. And I think that passion bleeds through in everything that you do. And the people who really love this game and don't do it for money status you know to put themselves out there you know trying to make a career out of it because they want an easier way out like the people that i really trust are the ones where i tell you if they, they had to do it for free they would probably still do it <laughs> they would probably just go i got so much shit going on in my brain i just need to get it out <laughs> right i need an avenue to get rid of it so that's what i've always loved about your content even before we knew each other and i just listened in silence you know in the back of the room and not raise my hand too many times or ask questions i just listened to you put your thoughts out into the space because i'm like damn this guy gets it this guy really loves what he does loves talking about it i may not always agree with it but we could have a discussion that would last seven hours <laughs> about one topic mm -hmm. and be completely unprepared. Like if I said, Scott, we're going to do a podcast for the next seven hours plus. I don't know what the hell we're talking about, but we'll figure it out. The show would flow fine, minus bathroom breaks. <laughs> the fact that it, we have to take a piss every now and then. It's hilarious that you say it about the show sheets because I never do show sheets even for yes. me. And people don't even probably realize how little goes into some of the solo shows that I do. Like when I record my solo show that comes out every Monday, a lot of times it's, and this is kind of, I mean, this is what this show is about, right? We're just kind of talking real. Yeah. When, and a lot of times I sit there all day on Sunday, I watch games, you know, anytime you're doing content right after all the games are done, you know, Sunday or Monday, it's like, you can't pre-record it before then. No. Cause you can tell if something's recorded on Saturday night and then it comes out on Monday morning, like, okay, it's probably outdated in today's right. space. You know what I mean? So I'm like, man, you know, if this is going to come out on Monday morning, like there's only time to record it is like Sunday night at 11 o'clock at night. And so I'll sit there all day and just think about, okay, here's some general, when I say general, I mean, general topics that 
I want to cover, but I'm too lazy to write them down. A lot of times I'm too lazy to even like send myself a text or write it down on my phone. And so I'll sit down about 10 30, 11 o'clock and there's no notes. Maybe I got a couple things up on my screen, hit or miss. And a lot of times it's just hit the record button and just talk. What's going on in my brain? What things did I observe and what things are I think am I thinking about that day? And that's the show. If there was ever a show sheet that I put together for a show, a lot of times that would be just to keep me within a certain amount of time versus trying to make sure it goes piece by piece by piece. You know, we might do a show sheet just so we don't go seven hours, you know, just to give us a target, but that's it. It's not so that we can have stuff to say because I think our best content is just, I mean, hell, we did the roster construction series last year. Mm -hmm. You, Adam, and I did that. How little did we plan for those shows? It was like, yeah, bro, 11 o'clock, we're going to show up. And there was no exchange of any information or anything. It was like, you bring what you have. I'll bring what I have. Adam brings what he has. And we just hit record. (laughs) We give our thoughts. And people are like, dude, that's one of the best shows ever. You know, it was so concise and to the point. And I'm like, yeah, we just recorded those impromptu. We didn't even know when we were going to do them. It was like, hey, quarterbacks tonight. Let's hit record. And we hit record there. There was no plan. And then to be able to put that together and not script it. And then people say, that's like the best content I've ever heard on that subject. Like we should take pride in that. You know what I mean? Like when we did mind warped, it was the same thing. There was no script. We had like, here's one sentence about what we're talking about. Record. <laughs> that's it. And people are like, that's the greatest series I've ever heard. You know? And you're like, wow, you got it. So take some pride in the fact that you can just do shows. I mean, I know you guys just do shows. You just show up and you're like, dude, that's like a professional show that you would have heard from a studio where there's writers and script writers and editors. And you're just like, nah, we just hit record. And it was an hour and a half long show and it was awesome. So I take some pride in that because I think that really is a special thing. And to end the point, you can't do that if the passion doesn't exist in your brain or in your heart. If it's not there, you cannot show up every day and do shows like that unless the stuff's already there, you know, it can't be pulled out of nowhere. You got to love it. And that's when the content flows. That's it's so crazy that you say that too. the, uh, you know, I throw out like, Oh yeah, we could do a seven hour show just with one sentence, right? Just one sentence on it. And people go, Oh, you're probably embellishing you and Adam literally did 25 hours worth of content, 25 hours worth of content just on warp. 25 hours and i'm sure most of those times because you guys have busy schedules you still got real lives you got work you got wives you got family to attend to it could have been longer (laughs) could Mm -hmm. have been 50 Mm -hmm. could have been 100 right if there was no time limit on it you're like oh we're good man i'm on vacation for the Mm -hmm. next month who knows how long that series would have been in the same way with the roster construction series the only thing that held it to the time limit that it was is we kind of all predetermined like all right, we're going to try to get this done and then get out of here. And, and a lot of times if you go back and you listen to it, it's like uh, you can almost hear that somebody else had something else that they wanted to bring up. Almost. And if we would have, there goes another hour. <laughs> there goes another hour it, on the podcast length. It's a running joke because people always used to give me a ton of shit. They would say, man, I don't know how many times I've listened to your shows and you try to say – and. I don't even recognize I do this until, you know, you kind of go back and listen to some of your own content, but you wouldn't realize how many times I have said at the beginning of an episode, I'm only going to do this for, 
hey, welcome in, everybody. This is only going to be 45 minutes. And I try to say that within the first minute, so I'm holding myself accountable because it's like, all right, you have to go about 45 because that's what you said, but you're not going to go an hour 30 because you said you're only going to go 45. And then I look back and I listen to that, pause my podcast, and I go, ah, damn, 128. Yep. So I, I didn't hit that 45 mark that I said. And it, it's almost always, I said, this is going to be a 30-minute show, 48 minutes. Yeah, it's just... Maybe it's something I got to work on, but there's been tons of times where I give a time to try to hold myself in check. And then I just blow it out of the water as I start to talk. I, I fully believe it, buddy. I did the, uh, th this year we started doing a show for uh campus to Canton and the first one Adam couldn't make it. So I was like, okay, I'll just, I'm going to dabble. I want to see if I could challenge myself. Can I do a solo episode? And it was the same thing. I'm going, I don't know if I got enough shit going on where I can get 15, 20 minutes. Like, I want to make sure that I give these guys at least 45 minutes. And there we are. I look up at the clock and it's like, I'm 42 minutes in and I'm going, I still got like 15 other things I want to talk about. Well, fuck, I'm going to have to end this thing. Like right now, I didn't think this was possible, but if you don't give me any constraints, who knows what the, uh, the limit is, right? It just becomes when your voice finally gives out or you run out of water, you got to take a bathroom break. But it's absolutely incredible that you bring this up because you are one of the few in the space where I fully know that this is possible. And it's it's always good to kind of meet other people who share that kind of passion where it's like, yeah, we don't need a show sheet. We can just hop on and go and we can make something amazing, just the two of us, without any prep work and just have a good discussion. Similar to if we were in the exact same room or sitting at a bar, this is the same shit we would have been talking about. Like if we just ran into each other on the street and you're like, you look like a guy who plays dynasty football. Oh shit. All right, here we go, buddy. <laughs> let's, let's have a conversation for the next four hours. <laughs> Not actually accomplish anything, you know, productive outside of just spitting theory, game theory back and forth, which is pretty awesome. Scott, let me ask you though, of all the fantasy ways to play, right? Redraft, Devi, Campus to Canton, DFS, prop bets. Do you have a preferred like, what is your go-to? Like, if, if I told you that you could only have one for the, the rest of your lifetime, which is a, an absurd question, what would you go with? Man, that is a that is a challenging question. I mean, I know you've brought it up before, and I've actually thought about it when you've asked it to, to prior guests. I think I would, a year ago, I would have given you a different answer. I would have definitely given you the super deep lineup dynasty leagues where you got to grind every roster spot. And then I would add in all these parameters about the rules and the settings and the scoring. And more importantly, I've grown to appreciate leagues where people are not just active, but active with some sort of conviction. Because as we get more evolved in this space to where pretty much not everybody, but most people you're playing with now have some level of a process and there's nothing more beautiful than when you get into a league with a bunch of activity where there's processes all over the map and people yes. are willing to step out, you know, they're stepping out in the cold and their boxers being exposed a little bit going like, I know to win, to beat the 11 other people in my league, 13 other people in my league, whatever it is, to beat them knowing they have a process that they have thought through and they're also willing to go out on a limb and try I have to act. The worst thing I can do is do nothing because I may not get my ass kicked, but I won't win. And so like, to me, that's what I picture a league being. That's what I would want to do if I couldn't do anything else. It's not just the settings, the scoring, the format. 
it's being in a league where, and maybe it comes with playing with a bunch of other people that play in portfolios too. It's very easy when you get a bunch of portfolio players together because they're much more likely just to go, eh, fuck it, I'll do that deal. You know, or I, if this one goes wrong, I have 10 others that I can go make the same bet on. So I'm like, that's kind of comforting when you get in a league with a bunch of other people like that and they're willing to act. Um, I'll say this. One thing that you've been talking about that I'm kind of uh, excited about is I'm in some campus Canton leagues uh, and listening to your last show with uh, with Matt Bruning, like those C2C leagues, they're, they're a grind. I don't particularly like them because the C2C leagues and maybe it's just the ones I'm in. I'm in three different ones and they're just dead, bro. A lot of them are just, yeah. there's no activity. It's basically go get your guy on the college side and then the NFL side. It's either your team is good or it's not. And the rosters are so deep. And the one thing that I regret is they're not best ball. They're not best ball. You you could sell me if you could turn that into, because everything I like about best ball extends to that format even more. And just because you can roster many more players and just the, the grind of, you know, if you're in as many leagues as me and you're playing C2C, I mean, you're, you're setting lineups damn near Tuesday morning. You know what I mean? Like it's just it. You never get away from it. So I think that that's where I'm kind of headed. I have to thank you uh, and Adam a lot for uh, and Ray as well for kind of pushing best ball on me. I mean, I you remember we got into some some beef <laughs> on Twitter before. I used to shit on best ball a couple years ago, going yes, like, sir. "Don't take any skill." And you know, in it, there are different challenges. The skill is different. I think it takes different types of skills to win in a best ball league versus a lineup league. Uh, but I've come to appreciate, uh, maybe in my softer side as a content creator and dynasty player, I've come to appreciate every format now. I mean, I don't play in 10 teams, start nine, one QB, but the people that do, understanding that there is a strategy and the the passion for me is being able to master the parameters of whatever league I'm in. So whatever it is. But if I had to choose, I'd say it's all deep dynasty best ball. And if you want to extend that to C2C, then... There you go. But that's if I had a whole portfolio of that and that alone, I'd be happy. I'm with you, buddy. And I also think, uh, you know, to echo that point, what you said earlier, if I had to choose, right, that's what I'm doing. Either Campus to Canton or Deep Dynasty, but it's going to be best ball. But I would love, absolutely love, like if I could put a stipulation on it, it would be to have 11 other managers who are active and have a process of their own, you know. And not people who listen to me or follow mine or necessarily, right? I don't want to play against 11 other versions of myself because that becomes a grind in itself, like really trying to find those deep edges. I just love it, like you said, when people are convicted on a take or they're convicted on a process. They're convicted on something that they want to try. And then you can just go out and do it. And the activity just goes nuts, right? Trades are flying left and right. You got you got people who are trying tanking strategies. You got people who are trying old crusty strategies. You got people, if it was a campus to Canton League, some people are going all in on the college side. Some people are going all in on the NFL side. But it's always active. And it's always fun to try to figure out, hey, man, how can I try to get one over on this guy? Like, who, who does he like? <laughs> like, what's his process? And see if mine's a little bit different. So I'm with you. I want people who are active and I want people who have conviction in a process because it leads to a league not being dead or, or kind of the stalemate where everybody's kind of scared to try anything or the margins are so thin. There's, there's not a lot of wiggle room to actually grind something. Well, let me, let me pick your brain on that because that's a topic that I've talked about a lot and it is a conundrum that we're going to run into very quickly uh, with how fast this space is evolving from 
And I think partially, I mean, I don't want to give us too much credit, but I think partially the way that we've kind of come at things in the last year, talking about war and roster construction and the warp tool and all this stuff like that is changing. And I've had this conversation with Adam so many times about what is the future of the space to the point where are we ever going to convince a hundred percent of people to play in best ball using a wins over replacement tool? Probably not. But the fact that it's out there and by next off season, there'll be 20 of them out there and every site's going to have something to where you can sync your league up and get some sort of data as to how to play your individual league. So a lot of those edges are becoming marginalized. And so you said, okay, I don't want to play in a league with 11 other mics. On the surface, no, I don't want to play in a league with 11 other mics or 11 other me's or whatever. But I think that becomes like a circular problem in a way because, yes, I don't want to play in 11 other leagues with me today, the day we're recording this during this week of the NFL season because everybody's going to be trying to do the exact same thing in the real moment, right? But what I do want to play in a league with is 11 other me's because I know that my way my brain works is the biggest challenge in a dynasty league like that. Even if you jump in a league with 11 of your other patrons and you know damn well every one of them has heard every piece of content you've put out for the last year, you already know that's who you're playing with, right? So you already have to know just based on, hey, I want to win this league. You can't just do everything you've talked about for the last year. You actually have to go, okay, maybe the best thing I can do is everything I've been telling people not to do. Right, right. And and so it's because your brain works that way and you're going, okay, I've read the room. It's 11 other people that are going to try to do what I'm going to do. So I need to now think of a way to pivot when they are doing the same thing or get ahead of them on the next thing before I start doing it. So it's almost like you're getting ahead of your own strategy because of that. And if, if you have 11 other people that have that type of mindset, just in life in general, I don't, I'll play with those people all day because even if they're going to follow what I'm going to do, it, I know my brand is going to have to evolve into the next thing because I know everybody else is doing the same thing that I'm going to do. So as long as everybody's mind is working that way, what you don't want is, all right, I'm going to dig my heels in and so are you. And so are the 10 other people. And then nothing happens. And then it just becomes a race of who got luckiest in the startup, who avoids injuries. Nobody will trade. Nobody will give up leverage. Nobody will give up picks. Nobody will take any risk. Like to me, that's boring. But I'm guessing if you get into the right league with just managers of the same type of thinking that we have, it'll take care of itself, no matter what we're currently doing today or what we're going to be thinking we're going to do tomorrow. I love that. I love that. I also kind of attribute it to, so in the last two years, I can think of two specific leagues, right? My first entry last year into a, a C2C league, you know, that we started with our patrons and, and me and Adam are in there at best ball. And then this year we started an IDP league, which is deep as shit. And the, the scoring's ridiculous for defensive players. You know, you're getting six points for a sack and six points for a pick, right? Like these guys, I think, TJ Watt on the year is scoring like 75 points per game or something like that. And if you look on a warp chart, like the number one warp player, right? So it's it's ridiculous how the scoring is. But those kind of leagues, when you first join them, even if with it's, it's a bunch of people who know you and follow your process, there's no plan in place, right? Nobody like feels comfortable with it. And I actually do enjoy that, Scott, because I go, 
shit, I can just do like rash, crazy shit and see if it works out. Like my brain is going, all right, this defensive league, I know the, the defensive players are juiced. What if I just build my team with all defense? What if I take like 12 straight defensive players in the startup draft and just go, I kind of know offense. I might be able to grind waivers. I might be able to find the the Emery D. Mercados, like those kind of guys out there with opportunity, even though it's a best ball league. I might be able to backfill an offense just with what I actually know. What I don't know is outside of the elite defensive ends, who the fuck's actually good at rushing the passer? Who's actually good at scoring fantasy points? And doing stuff like that leads to these innovations where you kind of like, all right, this kind of works. So if you ever got in that situation again, now I kind of know exactly what I should do and I can develop a process. But it was the same way with the C2C startup, best ball. Nobody's got a, you know, a, a trade calculator out there for, you know, how many startup college picks are worth NFL startup, you know, college picks. Nobody's out there really talking about the crossover between the two. So Adam and I just decided, hey, I'm going to trade you my first eight college startup picks and I want your first three picks on the NFL startup side. <laughs> like this feels safe. And we kind of went back and forth and he's like, I don't know about this. And I said, listen, if you don't know about it, we haven't actually done anything yet. Just flip the damn deal on its head. We'll do the reverse. <laughs> like if you feel better about the other side, I'm willing to risk it and figure out one of us is right. One of us is wrong. And the crazy part is Scott, neither of us, is right. Neither of us won the college side and neither of us won the NFL side. <laughs> so you go, well, all right, well, the, the, this rash trade that we made actually didn't really work out to amount to anything, but you can add it to the data bank and then try something again next year. So I think you're kind of right, even if you do get uh, 11 other people who are kind of like you or think like you or you know follow your process, as long as you have people who are willing to, to go out on a limb and, and know that this is a new situation or this is a situation where it's really tough and all this old shit that we'd, we'd tried in the past isn't going to work, let's try some new shit. Fuck it, let's let's ride or die. Let's throw it in. So, have you pulled that off before? Because that's something that I've done quite a few times. Is if you're in the middle in a league and someone else is in the middle of the league, you will. I approach you and I go, "Hey, I'm looking to kind of make a move to to push my team in this year." Mm -hmm. And then you respond with something that makes it clear that you really don't want to push out. So I'll turn right around and go, "Okay, I'll push out. You push in." Right. Right. Like literally within five minutes with the same person. Hey, I'll give you a, a first for Devonte Adams. And they go, nah, man, I can't move him. I still going to try to contend. Okay. Then I turn around and I send you, you know, Mike Evans and a second for a first. And then they decline that deal. And they say, well, I'm not really to push in. So right. essentially they've, re they've rejected both kind of in your example with Adam, man, I'm not comfortable doing a, okay. Then I'll do a, and you do B. Nah, I'm not comfortable doing either one. So it creates this, kind of like paralysis. Have you run into that? How do you deal with that? Because I, I mean, that's what it made me think of when someone says, I'll give you a choice of A or B. And then you go, well, I don't really want A. And they go, okay, you want B. No, nah, I don't really want B. So you just want to do nothing? Are you telling me that the, the goal right. is just for you to sit and stay put and never do anything? I mean, how, how do you combat that? Because I will test people sometimes. I'm like, I'm going to test this dude to see if he actually has a process or if he's just in, I'm just going to reject everything. Because I'm too paralyzed to even do anything at all. I think uh, one of the things, too, like just to acknowledge, there's, there's a difference between where you're at as a content creator and how long you've been doing it and, like, the level that you have reached, right? So to give you your props, I mean, you're – 
you're up at the mountaintop, buddy. Like, I'm still down below, but I will say to your point, like, as I keep going in this, I do encounter people, and I think the biggest thing for them is that, like, Mike's actually pretty good at this. Maybe they played in a league with me for a while, or maybe they, you know, they've seen me win a championship, or they listen to my content either way. And those are the kind of people where I run into that stalemate with, and it's very few and far between. But the difference is, like, I haven't been doing this as long as you have, and I don't have this this status and the other thing I like to do is I like to just randomly go in and find like random startups in sleeper chat, right? I, I go into the, I think there's a discussion forum or something on the sleeper app and I just go in looking for leaks or I browse it and I find anybody who's doing a dynasty best ball startup. I'm like, all right, I need one. I need some place where nobody knows who the hell I am. They have no clue. I don't go in there and advertise my content. I don't want you people to know about me. I want to go in and know that you guys have different processes than me. You guys have different things that you like to do. And in those situations, <clears throat> at, if we were in that, that, that exact same spot you're talking about, more times than not, I will offer them that same kind of thing. If we're both kind of in the middle of the road, I'll go, okay, maybe they want to compete, maybe they want to rebuild, but I'm going to shoot an offer out. And they go, oh, I'm trying to compete. Perfect. You want to flip this around? Do, is there anybody on my team that you would like to compete? And I'll be the one who go to rebuild. And more times than not, if they don't know who the hell I am, they'll just say yes. Okay, yeah, I actually do want to compete, right? They're, they're more to it. I think there's a lot to it about being a, kind of being a content creator, being well-known. Like, I mean, not everybody is in this situation, but a lot of people, like, they just see an offer from you, and they automatically just want to decline it. And it doesn't matter how good it is, right? It could be something absurd. You could be sending a first for Zach Wilson, which is stupid. But because it came from you, somebody goes, what does he know? <laughs> what does he know that I don't? <laughs> right? Now now they got to go Twitter search. They got to find something positive on Zach Wilson just to reaffirm the fact that, oh, yeah, I was right to decline that. <laughs> Fuck Scott. <laughs> he tried to get one over on me. Even though Zach Wilson's a dumpster fire and a shitty player, no one cares. Right? It's one of those things that, uh, that I've encountered more and more as I keep going. And I can only imagine with you, because even I still have that same reaction. We play in leagues together. Now I have this sense that, yeah, I know what Scott wants to do, and Scott knows what I want to do, and I'm going to get one over him. But even in the back of my head, I go, what the fuck has Scott got going on here? Why does he want this guy? <laughs> right? Like, there's something about this offer. Seems fishy as shit to me. Why? And human nature, the easiest thing to do is just go, I'm good. I ain't going to touch anything. I'm just going to hit decline. Now me being an asshole or, you know, overconfident sometimes, I just go, yeah, I got Scott on this one. <laughs> Like, what the hell is he doing? So it is kind of good when you talk about playing in leagues with people like you. You do need to find those people who have that little bit of arrogance, you know, that ability to kind of just turn it up a notch and go, ah, I know it's Scott, but I think I got him on this one. <laughs> We're gonna well, and him. I mean, we, we probably will. And, and you know what? You make a really good point about I probably play in too many leagues that are uh, ones I've been in forever. They have seen me go from not making any content to they know who I am. They probably listen to the content. Because right. you know what? If you're in a league with me, why wouldn't you? You yeah. know? Like, it, it would make sense for you to say, oh, yeah, I mean, I do it. There's still some shows out there that I listen to because I'm in leagues with some of the people that make the content. And I don't need to listen to every single thing they do, but I want to keep a pulse as to, mm -hmm. okay, what are they saying? What are they tweeting about? You know, I want to just kind of have that in the back of my mind. So you're right. I think there probably is a blend of playing with people that are in different communities. 
right? They may know who I am from like Twitter or they might have seen me, but they haven't actually encountered my process to the point where they're like, okay, yeah, you know, I follow you on Twitter, but like, that's it. You know, let's make a deal. So maybe it is about just kind of finding different people to play with people that don't run in the same circles to where it's just the same 50 to a hundred people that are all in the same leagues. And, you know, you lose somebody and it's like, Oh yeah, that guy from the discord, I know he'll join and pick up that orphans like, yeah, but I'm in 13 leagues with him. You know, I know how he's going to play, which can be good and bad. There's people that, you know, I'll welcome him in any league. Cause I know they'll play ball really regardless of where their team is. Uh, but yeah, that's a really good point about playing with different people and, Quite frankly, it's why I think one of the biggest things we can do as content creators is not alienate. I mean, I can rip people's bad takes and I can publicly or even on my show disagree with somebody's opinions, but it's to the point where you don't want to drive them out of the space, you know, or be so mean to people that it's like, you're wrong when you had a bad take, not like I'm not going out there doing victory laps every single time I have a right take because, in a way, you see somebody and you go, yeah, that's not the process I would play. You kind of want to keep that person around, right? Like you want that influence to be out there in the community. So you do have people that are listening to different voices and you do have different takes and you have different styles of players because otherwise, you know, the worst thing we can all do is agree in this space because then playing in leagues would be pretty boring. So I think that's a, that's something I'm going to do a, a really deep look at this year in terms of how many leagues I play in and who I play with. And you know, do I need, do I need 26? I think I'm in 26 leagues or something like that with Eric, you know, yeah. and I like Eric, him and I play right. a little differently to where we can get deals done. A lot of times we get a deal done. Cause I go, this doesn't help you. It helps me or vice versa. Either do it or don't. There's not a lot of negotiating at the same time. I don't need another one with him. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I don't need to be like, Hey, every time we join a new one, let's get in it together. So but yeah, that's a really good point about just thinking about who you play with because there's so many more players out there and you know we're only on the, the 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 bottom in terms of how many people are actually interacting with. Yeah, I, I talked with Adam about it. I've talked with our patrons. Like our patron leagues are are fun because it's our community, right? It's it's our people playing together and you know some other people, but there's also something to be said, like a, I don't know if you want to call it a dynasty mental health. Like dynasty mental health is really good to go out and just find a random fucking league. Just find some place where nobody knows you, doesn't know shit. Because we talk all the time, and, and you've been one of these, uh, one of the main drivers at, at trying to project Dynasty and how it's going to go in the future, right? And, and Scott, this is always something that I, I've tried to tell Adam, too. I'm like, yeah, everybody is getting smarter, but go out and find a random league sometime and just go in there. And all these old strategies that we used to talk about, the productive struggle, trading back in the first round, for you trading up in the first round to get a couple of elite quarterbacks, all that shit where we said, like, everybody knows this now. They're not going to let it happen. Find a random league. That shit still goes on. <laughs> that shit is still prevalent. You're like, I can't believe this works. I can't believe I get to do this all over again. I love this process. I love walking away with, you know, like, six first round picks just coming out of a startup draft because I'm the only one who's like, fuck it. I ain't trying to win this year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go ahead, boys. <laughs> like take all the pick or take all the, uh, the first and second round, third round, my fourth round startup, take all this shit. Give me all your first round picks. I'm going to control the entire draft in 2024. That kind of stuff still goes on. I do it in a, a, a patron league now, like the, the startup, not a lot of trades go down. 
it's almost to the boring point because everybody knows, like, if I'm sending you an offer, Mike wants two elite quarterbacks or Mike wants my first-round pick. He wants, you know, all this stuff, and we're out here preaching, man. Hold on to your first. Hold on to your liquidity. Hold on to your ability to pivot. Shit just doesn't exist anymore with your community-type leagues. Mm-hmm. But uh, for everybody out there, even if you only play in, you know, a couple leagues, you may have a patron league. It's awesome. I'm happy. Whatever community you're proud of. But also next year, just think about, you know, give yourself a little mental health. Go out and find a random league. Somebody, nobody knows you. Not one that's advertised, you know, because your buddy's playing in in another sleeper league or MFL or whatever it is. Go find one where nobody knows you. (laughs) Just be that dude off the street being like, hey, I'm just here to play Dynasty. Let's go. It's fine. It's fine. Now, I wouldn't recommend doing that if it's like a $500 entry. Right, because yeah, you get some uh, sketchy commissions out there and some some bad situations. But you know, fifty, hundred bucks, whatever you're comfortable, just letting go of, do it, do it. And Scott, for you, man, find some. I don't know, make an alt account on Sleeper, right? Just just change your name and yes. just go find some random some random leagues where absolutely nobody knows who the hell you are. Like I've I've honestly thought about making an alt account, and I'm not Scott Connor. I think you should make one. <laughs> just just make one. You know, call it Bob's Dynasty team. I don't give a shit. No, I mean, it would be a fun uh, case study to do that and be like, all right, I went out and joined 10 leagues on this account. Nobody knows it's me. Right. It's just some random, you know, it's like Squirrel8442 and it just has some (laughs) random logo. And so no one has any clue who it is. Well, keep that generic one, that little egg sleeper, pink or green or whatever the hell you want. Just leave it there. And you just play. And you just say, okay, how, how much better did I do in these leagues? What was my ROI in these leagues? How successful was I in getting moves done in these compared to my general portfolio? And I'll tell you what, even if it's not much more or less, I bet you it'd be a, a different level of uh, enjoyment or fun going to get to go to that account, you know what I mean? Versus right. the other account where... I mean, I don't know how many leagues you're in now, but there's half of my leagues. You just, I see the name of the league and I go, that league's going to be a grind. You know, I already know what's going on in there. It's going to be tough to go and do what I need to do. So I kind of just, you know, do what I can. But like, yeah, it it would be a fun social experiment to see how you could do in uh, a league where nobody knew who you were or a portfolio of leagues. Nobody knew who you were. At the very least, like get some people in there who, who don't know, right? Just get a handful. I think some of the best patron leagues we had are some of the ones where we're in a hurry to fill and you're missing like the last three spots and you just put some shit on Twitter. Like anybody want to join a a shit patron league? Like you ain't even got to be a patron. And then you get three random people in who may loosely follow your content or you were really good about retweeting it out. So maybe it was a follower of yours. They get in here and then they do some wild shit in the auction. You're like, all right, now we got some activity, (laughs) right? Like, let me go try to trade with this guy. I know he doesn't know what the fuck I want to do or, you know, I know you get an idea of, of activity level. So kind of, kind of cool, kind of a good idea to think about. And, and I know you've done so much with just talking about the, the future of dynasty and the future of fantasy football and fantasy sports and like how things are changing. It'll be interesting to see though, if we kind of just step outside of our circle and kind of look at some random people, do they want to do it? The other thing I, I will we'll end this on, and I always thought it was funny too, uh, you, you talked about listening to content of, of people you're in leagues with, right? Like why wouldn't you try to get that edge, see what player they're hyping up, see what strategies they're talking about. Probably the most frustrating thing to me is 
I have a home league where absolutely nobody listens to anything I do. And it's a home league, right? They, they don't pay attention more than just the draft, right? The startup draft. Scott, I'm like four years now. I can't win this fucking thing to save my life. <laughs> like, I can't. I'm supposed to be a fantasy football analyst. I'm one in four. I, I just cannot do this shit. <laughs> and I think what it is for me, it's the settings, man. It's so much in the settings and how much you're getting comfortable with. Like, I'm comfortable with best ball. I'm comfortable with deep lineups. I'm comfortable with deep rosters. I have these strategies. How about going back to, like, half PPR, super vanilla, start eight, <laughs> kickers and defenses, and then trying to figure this shit out with a bunch of people who you have no idea what kind of strategy they're going to run. <laughs> and how frustrating it's getting, but it's also very, very entertaining to go try to win those type of leagues. Do you have anything like home leagues that you still do with a bunch of buddies or friends? You know, they may not be analysts in the space or patrons or anything like that. Do you still have any kind of like home leagues where it's, uh, you know, just a bunch of dudes who like to get together every single year and do fantasy football? A hundred percent. I'm just sitting here smiling as you said that because I have a old Yahoo. Of course, it's got to be on Yahoo, oh, right? Yeah. Still on Yahoo. <laughs> I actually brought up, can we maybe move to Sleeper next year? Because we had an issue with the Yahoo live draft this year. Because it's uh it's not customizable like you would want it to. So, yeah. you know, I'm like, maybe we can move to sleeper. And finally, because the draft was a just complete shit show this year, we were like, maybe we'll consider moving to sleeper. But it's still on Yahoo. It's uh it's literally what it would be. It's called the Fantasy Football League, uh Roman numeral seventeen. So it's our seventeenth year. And it's just a bunch of friends from high school that we still run the league. We started it like right after high school ended ironically. So it's been going on since hell, what has this been 17 years? So like 2005, 2006 was when we first started it. Never won the league once. I've never won it one time. This is year 17. Uh, there's a couple guys in that league. One guy's won it three times. One's won it two times. There's been some people that have left and whatever, but I think seven of the 10 are still, it's a 10 teamer. Uh, we actually moved it to Superflex a couple Ooh, years ago, which was like, oh my, oh my God, yeah, you move it to Superflex. Uh, we actually incorporated rookie keepers. So the the draft every year, I believe, is 18 rounds. 10 teams, Superflex, 18 rounds. And you get to keep rookies for one year at the, the round that they're drafted in. And so the first couple years, I'm like, I'm going to slay everybody with this, right? So <laughs> now... Now we're to the point where everybody values the rookies. So what happens is you get a month into the season and there's a tanker every year. That's like, you know, cause last year I was the tanker mm. and I just, after week two, I was and two and I go, I'm trading everybody. And I just gutted the team for all rookies to the point where, cause once you tank in a keeper league, like it's over. So the players that you have for this year are useless. So now that I did that last year, we're just waiting for, you know, the person to do it this year, but it's becoming to the point where the rookies are valued like dynasty players at this point. You know, you're taking a rookie wide receiver in the fourth round of a redraft because it's like, well, you know, I get to keep him next year, but I'm like, yeah, man, you know, you got to keep him in the fourth round next year, which in a 10 team league is probably not a good pick Right. to pick JSN in the fourth round of a redraft super flex keeper league. But you know, I digress, but I've never won. I've never won. None of them give a shit about fantasy football outside of this league for the most part. I think one of the other nine plays dynasty. Um, I've sent them my content and they just, you know, they gloss over it. Hey guys, here's a trades in five uh, video where we talked a little bit about 
keeper leagues. They're just like, oh, maybe I'll watch. No one cares. <laughs> but I've never won. And I'll be at the draft and I'm everyone will go, you know, how's it going this year doing your high stakes and your dynasty? And I'll talk. I'm like talking so proud. And then meanwhile, they're just like, yeah, we kick this guy's last every single year, you know, and it's yeah. because so you can vibe with me here, right? That we, yes. we can't yes. win the redraft league of people where I go and my dad's in the league. My dad just joined five years ago, right? My dad's won the league already. I haven't won it. Oh my gosh. And everyone goes, Oh yeah, you just run your dad's team. And I go, yeah, honestly, I, for the first couple of years, my dad would call me and text me and be like, Hey, you know, should I pick up this guy? Right. And I would help him because he's my dad. I'd rather him win than these other dudes. Right. But then he wins the championship. So I'm like, dude, I'm not going to like run your team because like, yeah, I won you a title before I won one myself. And so now he he largely kind of gets what what to do, and he'll ask my advice every once in a while. But yeah, I've never won, and I think it's exactly what you said. I go into it going, man, I'm the biggest brain in this league. <laughs> I'm gonna big brain the settings, and I'm gonna get the roster construction right. The reality in a ten team start nine redraft league, who gets fucking lucky and who doesn't? Honestly, you know. And it's yeah. really I should just dial it back and go. You know what? I'm just gonna draft like I'm 10 years old and just take who do I think is going to score the most points period. And just, I mean, that's literally the difference. And I have a good team this year because of the keepers that I kept last year, but still it's frustrating. Cause I'm like, dude, these people don't even know they have no strategy. You I mean, in your home league during the draft, how many picks are you sitting there going in the draft and you're just snickering when someone picks that player you're going like, what the hell was that pick? You know, you just yeah. took, you just took Raheem Mostert in round four. You know, I'm laughing at that dude. Meanwhile, the Raheem Mostert team's in first place. It's like, oh, yeah, he knew it all along. So 100%. it's just, you think you got it one every year out of the draft. And then most of the years I'm sitting there in week 13 going, man, I'd love to win this league someday. Then another year gone by and I haven't won. Like, it, it, you feel so bad too, because we do a live in person draft, right? So we, I got him transitioned over to sleeper just for easy use because I commissioned the league. Mm-hmm. So, but we do the the draft every single year in person in, in somebody's yep. garage. Yep. <laughs> so we're all sitting there, and same thing. I'm overconfident. I'm like these guys don't pay attention to shit. I literally watch somebody in a one QB half PPR, you know, basic vanilla scoring, no tight end premium draft, three fucking tight ends in a row. <laughs> at the top of the draft and i'm like what the hell are we doing you can't even start all three (laughs) you can only start two what the hell is going on and then you sit here and you look after five weeks and you go that dude's in first place what the fuck is happening (laughs) like how does this but you're right it's a it's a 10 team you know start eight start nine and what are you going to do, man? There's so much variance in fantasy football. And as you keep condensing that down from 12 teams to 10 teams and you condense the starters down, that variance plays such a part in the lineup league where it's like, man, I thought I was in. I thought I was in this year. I'm like, I got the warp tool. I plug this league into sleeper. Warp's going to tell me what the advantages are. Boom. I'm going to draft running backs heavy and I'm going to take Mark Andrews early. <laughs> and uh, here we are after five weeks and I'm one and four. And I'm at the bottom of the fucking league and everybody thinks I'm a donkey and none of these people listen to any of the content I do. And I go, this is impossible. This is my kryptonite. I'm never going to win this damn league ever. 
and, and your bench is probably always the most loaded. Yep. And I'm sitting there going like top to bottom, man, I got, I think the first week of this year, I drafted a team where my bench would have outscored two of the teams in the league. So I'm like, dude, my team is just ridiculously stacked this year. And then you get into the season and you go, yeah, it's almost too stacked because now I'm trying to pick a lineup and start nine where I have five quarterbacks and I have six viable running backs, you know, and it's just damned if you do, damned if you don't. So, yeah, I mean, it just makes you appreciate right. a league where you know you are the smartest one in the room. You do the most research. You spend the most time. That's what really kind of humbles you in understanding the level of variance in a football season. That no matter how much you prep, like that's the reason why we probably play in so many leagues and put so much money up on the table. Cause it's like, bro, no matter how good I am, I'm going to fail 60% of the time. Yeah. At least, you know, 60% of my leagues, at least at the end of the year, are going to win $0. And anybody that says it's less than that is just like, it's not, you know, like no. it's, it's just not. So it's, it's, it's definitely humbling, but maybe this year's my year. I don't know. It's kind of like playing at a casino, right? All those games have uh, have table odds. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> Just statistically, you're going to lose, you know, 52% of the time, even on the uh, the most loose of table games playing at a casino. Statistically, that's going to happen. And some nights you run hot, right? Some nights you can't lose. <laughs> it doesn't seem, doesn't seem to matter what kind of wild bets you make. You're going to win. And other nights, you could have the best strategy. You could be the best... Uh, you know, I like to play three-card poker when I go to the casino. You can be the best three-card poker player if that's your thing. You get your ass kicked. You're going to lose every bit of it. <laughs> Fantasy football is kind of the same way. We just try to take out as much of the variance as possible, but some of these formats, it, it almost feels like it's impossible. There's no mm -hmm. chance. There's no chance. I just roll the dice, and I try to do my best every single year. And Apparently, in this home league, it's... I don't know if it's ever gonna happen, Scott. <laughs> you're you're at least uh, you're 17 years without a championship, so I feel I feel bad. Like six years ago, I won this damn league, but since then, it's been goose eggs. <laughs> you are ahead of me, my friend. I am still, and, and truthfully, the one thing that it magnifies for me is it. It all comes down to like who hits that one or two players that just go nuclear. Yeah, that's it. That's what wins the league. You know, the guy that has Christian McCaffrey this year probably wins. That, that's it. There was no nothing else mattered as long as they just didn't neglect their lineup every week. That team wins, and that's how simple it can be in shallow leagues like that. So that's probably why we gravitate towards fourteen teams, start fifteen best ball leagues with forty man rosters. You know, it's kind of like let, let's let's reward the people that are willing to put into the grind. But it is what it is. If you enjoy those, and that's that the reality is, Adam, or is, is Mike, is a lot of people are at the level where. That is what's challenging to them, right? Like, they don't want to go to the level that we are. Like, you're like, Scott and Mike want to go to this level, and 90% of the people have no interest going past our home league level. And that's it. You know? like They, they don't care about anything further than that, so you kind of talking through your process beyond what we're playing in in this redraft league is redundant. They don't care. They get nothing yeah. out of it. So it is what it is. It's funny that you, you say that too about picking the right players, right? Guy's got Christian McCaffrey who's in first place and he got Puka Nakua off of waivers. <laughs> Those two things may win in the league. <laughs> Those, Those two, two moves, nothing else mattered. None it none nothing else mattered. And he wasn't using the warp tool. His nope. roster construction sucked. 
It's horrible. It, <laughs> it's <laughs> funny. Horrible. I could go through everything that I don't even know, and you're like, that's a fact, that's a fact, that's a fact. <laughs> but, yep, he has that one player that's averaging 29 points per game. Cool. Start, that's what start, won it for him. Starting Jerry Judy every week. Darren mm-hmm. Waller at tight end. <laughs> <laughs> don't matter and and not adjusting his priors and we'll start those guys for eight weeks because he has no better options on his bench at all <laughs> just what it is yep. yep i love it i love it well scott thank you so much for hopping on this has been a blast uh where can the people check you out everything that you're doing just in case there's a i don't know somebody's been living under a rock who doesn't know about scott connor and everything that you're doing now at destination debbie plus dynasty trades and five and your twitter where can they find you at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter, uh, anything that I do is usually gets retweeted there or you know posted in there. And then yeah, uh, weekly on Destination Devi, weekly on Dynasty Trades in Five, and it's pretty much where you'll find all my content. Those two places. So uh, written, audio, video, YouTube. Uh, yeah, and I, I just I'll give you guys props for uh, you know how much you've grown your community, how much you've grown your brand, and just. You know, you, you're doing it your way, you know, and it's from, I, 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 ever since I met you guys, I know that it is from a place where you're doing it because you love it. You would do it for free. You don't do it for the views or the patrons or all that. All of that is secondary. You know, that's how it's always been for me. It's like, it just, that just comes as a byproduct to making the content, you know, but I would still have. And it's not just the content, it's the passion for being able to like share your thoughts. It's cool to share it in like audio or video form too, but I'd still be doing it. Even if I'm just recording these on my phone, you know, recording them on voice memo on my iPhone, like I'd still want to give my thoughts and express it. So I give you guys kudos for doing it your way and just respect for people that grind. The people that do it every week are consistent stick to a schedule and just do it over and over and over. Cause I've seen so many people that just fade away, man. I did it for a year. I can't do it again. Right. Can't do that much content. Can't play in that many leagues. Like it is a true appreciation for the one percenters out there that can just do it week after week after week. And I, I don't think a lot of people realize on the back end how much time management it takes to pull that off, to know that like making content and making, time to do your leagues and all that kind of stuff is it's part of your life, bro. You know, it, it, it is, you ask my wife and I'm sure your wife would probably say the same thing. It's, it's part of our lives together. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's part of like, this is part of our life. I need this time every week, every day. And it, there isn't a time to go. I'm not going to do it this week. You can't. There's no such thing. So I'll just respect to you guys for the grind that you put in because not everybody can do it. Appreciate it, buddy. You're uh you're a good friend. You're even better content creator. <laughs> even better dynasty mind. So I really appreciate the fact that uh got to get to know you here, especially over the last year or so, and then uh get to meet you at the expo and uh can't wait till we link up again, man. Uh go check out Scott. Scott's incredible. If you don't know who the hell Scott is, uh wake up but uh that's gonna do it here for us at the south Harmon spotlight episode nine uh don't know who the guest will be next week might be a surprise we're still working on that one but i can tell you in two weeks after you're listening to this mr bob harris himself will be on the south Harmon spotlight so incredibly excited to get to interview bob that'll do it uh we'll see you back here for episode 10 same time same place next week we're out of here peace